Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. From the film Prey to the ABC series Alaska Daily, mainstream media took pains in 2022 to portray Native people and issues with accuracy and respect. There were some bumps along the way, but there were also major wins this past year for Native representation in entertainment and documentaries. Today we'll take a critical look back at film and TV during the past year and hear about some mainstream hits as well as some hidden gems you might have missed. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Congress is passing a bill that repeals 11 federal laws that discriminate against Native Americans. Two Republican members of South Dakota's congressional delegation pushed the bill forward, Senator Mike Rounds and Representative Dusty Johnson. Lee Strubinger has more. One of the federal laws the RESPECT Act repeals is one that requires Native American children be stripped from their families and forcing them into boarding schools. South Dakota U.S. Senator Mike Rounds has introduced the bill as far back as 2015. Then it failed to make it out of committee. Now it's been passed by the Senate and House. It repeals laws dealing with forced separation and abolishing certain treaty rights, among others. Rounds says he's pleased the bill passed. We need to clean up some of this legislation that's been around for more than a century and that, that really disrespected. Native Americans throughout the United States. And so the opportunity to eliminate these 11 laws it sends a good message that, number one, uh, not only do we recognize that they were wrong to begin with, but second of all, to do something about it. Round says the bill sends a message to tribes from Congress that it wants to right some wrongs of the past. The bill has support from the Great Plains Tribal Chairmen's Association and National Congress of American Indians. It now heads to President Joe Biden's desk. For National Native News, I'm Lee Strubinger. Meanwhile, a powerful storm can't keep fans from attending the Lakota Nation Invitational in Rapid City. South Dakota Public Broadcasting CJ Keen reports the annual event is as popular as ever. Wind gusts over 60 miles an hour and snow descended upon the entire state, negatively affecting driving conditions the day before the tournament started. Brian Brewer is the founder of the LNI, which is in its 45th year. He says the blizzard brought an unexpected wrinkle. A lot of the fans just came up early. Right now we have fans back home are calling and they're trying to get up here hopefully tomorrow uh, to watch the games. Uh, many of them are watching it on pay-per-view. Uh, last year, the four days, I forget how many we sold for four days for a pay-per-view. We sold that same number in the first four hours of the first day. Brewer says there's a deep connection to the tournament. We have our third generation of kids. You know, we have boys that are playing their grandfathers played in the tournament when we first started, you know. So it's really something, and you can see the excitement and how proud they are, you know, representing their school. It's really a good feeling just to watch our kids. Brewer says decades in, the LNI continues to gain popularity. He says finding space for other events is still a challenge. That's despite Rapid City completing a new arena last year. Last year was our first year in the Summit Arena with the addition of the uh, Summit that has really helped us. Uh, there's a lot of other activities that we would like to do, but we don't have enough room. So we're trying to figure out how to get 
those other venues starting. The LNI runs through this Saturday. For National Native News in Rapid City, I'm CJ Keen. A hospital on the Navajo Nation in Arizona is seeking the public's help as it's being overloaded with patients with the flu, RSV, and COVID-19. The Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation says the combination of cases are filling up hospital beds and other hospitals in the state, especially with respiratory illnesses among children. The increased demand in care is putting a strain on the healthcare system, and to deal with the surge, a second clinic has been opened for adult urgent care. Doctors are asking the public to consider their options for care, including telemedicine visits. Health officials are also encouraging people to wear masks in public. A mask mandate on the Navajo reservation is still in place. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. You've probably seen those car ads, low price, low payments, but when you get to the dealer, there could be a catch. If a dealer isn't honest when it comes to its car ads, tell the Federal Trade Commission at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. Support for the menu comes from Spirit Mountain Roasting Company, a small batch specialty coffee roaster located on the Fort Yuma Quetzon Reservation. Information and online ordering at spiritmountainroasting.com slash news. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There were some major releases in both film and television this year featuring Native talent. There was season two of Reservation Dogs on FX, the Hulu original film Prey, and the AMC series Dark Winds. There was also the miniseries The English that was released on Amazon Prime and season two of the Peacock Network sitcom Brotherford Falls. Also, there was a wealth of independent shorts, documentaries, feature length, and experimental films. Today on our show, we'll take a look back at film and TV shows from 2022 from a Native critic's perspective. We'll talk about the major releases and hear about a few that you might have missed. We also want to hear from any Native film entertainment buffs listening today. What films and television did you watch this year that featured Native talent? Join the conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Or you can post on our social media. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us first from New York is a voice Native America calling knows well. Vincent Schilling is an editor of NativeViewpoint.com and a certified Rotten Tomatoes critic. He is Aquasasni Mohawk. Welcome back to NAC, Vince. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate you you moving me up about uh, 600 miles up the coast in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand. you're on the road. Is that it? Is that Vince? You're, no, you're, no, you're traveling? No, I, no, I live on the East Coast, but oh, God, I travel all the time. But hey, did anybody else find it funny when you were talking about uh, the LNI uh, tournament and all these natives out there in 60 mile hour winds? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just brokenhearted because I was actually I was on my way there earlier this week and I couldn't get there. All, all the flights were canceled. I got as far as Minneapolis and my flight yesterday got canceled uh, due to the weather. So I'm kind of brokenhearted, but 
It is what it is. Yeah, this this uh, winter's coming early this year in many parts of the country, and South Dakota for sure is is getting hit hard. But uh, Vince, uh, I'd like to get this show started by getting your overall take on, on this year's Native film and television. So I mean, what's your take here, 2022? Has it been a solid year for Native theme content? It's been, I don't know if I'd say solid. I think it's a year of building, you know, and I think people, I think what this year did more so than any other year, I mean, I, I was admittedly, as I'm watching show after show after show, you know, there was some sad parts because Russell Falls canceled after two seasons. I was devastated. And, right. uh, you know, then, then of course, the biggest diss of all that a lot of people may not realize was Werewolf by Night by Marvel. That um, the, the newest incarnation actually had a Native protagonist in there that became the werewolf, and then they turned it old school, and uh, natives across the country got dissed. I was really upset in that. I'm actually in that magazine, in the comic as a uh, you know tribal officer Schilling. I got a little cameo in that, so I was like really <laughs> tribal <laughs> officer. <laughs> tribal officer Schilling. That yes, is too classic. Yes, brother. Yes. <laughs> okay, go go okay. look up Werewolf by Night. You'll see me, and you'll see my image in there. I actually have it. I, I did a, a a YouTube video on it. But it's been, it's been an amazing year. And I think we're building. And I think what's going on now is, and I'm feeling it because I, I, as much as I am a critic, I do a lot of news and a lot of things I get to talk to, very fortunate to talk to a lot of producers. And there's producers outside of the native filmmaking industry, quote unquote, I'll say, that are interested in native topics. And it doesn't all have to be, doesn't all have to be, you know, getting the call in November to do a speaking engagement. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's about like it it could be native stories being all over the place and that's where i see things growing uh but the shining example of of this year that i i thought was one of the most beautiful things that i've been i've been talking about it a lot is spirit rangers and that was the children's program on netflix which was just phenomenal yes. uh yeah yes. it was just wonderful and I, I i just loved it thought it was fantastic yeah, yeah, that was a, a really, really well done children's series, and uh, we've got other guests on the show as well. And I'm gonna go ahead and just introduce everybody uh, right up front here. So joining us now is another good friend of Native America Calling, Johnny J. She's the founder of a tribe called Geek and a co-founding member of the Fan Organizer Coalition. She is Oto Missouri and Choctaw. Johnny, welcome back to NAC as well. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So uh, what's your thought? What native films and television have, have stood out especially for you this year? Oh, absolutely Spirit Rangers. Um, <laughs> Again, you know, when Spirit Rangers. Said Spirit Rangers, I was just like, I watched that first episode. And, you know, like when I grew up, like we didn't have that native representation. Like, but natives love cartoons. You know, like we were all sitting up Saturday morning, you know, before school watching your favorite cartoons. And I saw that first episode of Spirit Rangers, and I started cracking up because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be that native who's sitting here in a Spirit Ranger costume watching every single episode. (laughs) You know, just reliving that native childhood that I didn't get to have, like seeing that representation and the writing and the episodes, like how they were able to address so many issues that we face in such like a kid-friendly way was so incredibly beautiful. And, you know, of course, I think the other film that, you know, really riled me up this year was Prey, which surprised me because I had been talking so much smack about that movie since it was announced, since it was in development. (laughs) Why were you talking smack about it? I'm sorry. Well, you know, the description that, that they had for it was like, you know, 
Comanche woman overcomes gender role, traditional gender roles to go against her tribe to become a hero that they need. And, you know, just kind of like this weird little like mindset. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they do not know Comanche women because they are absolutely fierce and they were never just, you know, background you know, <laughs> and right. like just that kind of like that fear of like, this is going to go so stereotypical, like they're um, putting like white feminism ideas and just putting Native people in those places. And, you know, that's always worrisome, like when our culture and our communities and even our identities, like as Native women get misrepresented. And so like I was talking so much crap <laughs> and um <laughs> Then I got brought on to kind of help with some of the media stuff and, um, you know, like getting to know about the background of how it was developed and, you know, the the care that they took with making sure that they included the Comanche people, you know, knowing how they had to change the script, you know, just everything was just phenomenal. Like they did a really good job of really making sure that Native people were included in every aspect of development. And okay. when the film came out and I watched it, like, my mind was just blown. And I think what really got me was the credits, which is funny. But I used to live um, in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is where the Comanche Nation is. And so when the credits started rolling, I could see the names of so many people that I had worked with, you know, so many Comanche scholars getting credited for their contributions to the film. And we never see that ever and, you know, like I was bawling um, with the credits okay. and I was like, what the yeah. heck? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, I, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest because um, he is Comanche and I want to get his take on this as well. So joining us now from Albuquerque, New Mexico is a new voice on Native America Calling. Jason A. Snap is a writer, critic and filmmaker. He is Comanche and Muscogee. Jason, I'd like to offer a very warm welcome to you on Native America Calling today. And uh, what are your thoughts? And uh, we hear Johnny comment. On, on Comanche women have always been tough and hardcore and they were kind of not portrayed properly there in, in some of those trailer materials and, and publicity stuff for the film Trey or excuse me Prey what was your thought on that yeah oh, well first of all th uh, it's good to be here um, yeah Comanche women are definitely hardcore for sure <laughs> yes um, but yeah um, yeah yeah I, I Prey is uh, pretty uh, pretty incredible in my book as as far as like what well, there's a Comanche producer Jane Meyer, Jane Myers who was I was on a, another podcast Real Indigenous and we were talking with her interviewing her, and kind of got the backstory of how she put all that together. Um, the the dedication that she had was like phenomenal. Uh, the I what I'm most impressed about the the the, the movie is the language, like the dedication to the, to the Comanche language. It's it's pretty amazing to hear to hear our language. Like there's a dub that you can actually just listen to, and and it, it totally makes sense when you watch the movie. Like even if you don't know the language, and I grew up in a Comanche language household, but I I'm far from fluent. But you know I recognize you know some some words here and there, and the movie makes sense. And they say if a movie is good, it can make sense without the dialogue, and it definitely it did. Um, so yeah, praise definitely definitely up there. For me, uh, I mean, I think about like, see, I'm Comanche and Muscogee, so it was a good year for like both my tribes as, as far as media goes because Prey coming out <laughs> right. and Reservation Dogs two, uh, season two. So I'm just sitting there, you know, uh, and I think um, on Hulu they did this like ad, I want to say, and it was like 
you have reservation dogs, uh, you know, and then you have like um, prey on there. I'm like, that's both my tribes. They're like on the freaking, <laughs> like uh, they're advertising yeah. on Twitter. Big year for <laughs> Oklahoma tribal representation in, in film and television for sure. Yeah. Now, Prey did come under fire a little bit for uh, the background on, on at least one cast member that made some headlines earlier this year. What's your take on that, Jason? Oh, you know, it's always so complex when it comes to identity. And, like, um, you know, I kind of try to I try to stay out of that because, you know, I, I don't know the backstory of someone's family and their history. I'm not even necessarily, like, um, you know, that – invested in in, in, in in trying to find that stuff out. I mean, I'll leave that for others, you know. I, I'm more interested in just, like, cinema and, and, and storytelling and filmmaking and art in general, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so many of us are, uh, and as Vince Schilling, uh, our first guest, points out, uh, 2022 has been a pretty solid year for Native-themed content, both on television uh, in film and, of course, on streaming, which is the way so many of us get our content nowadays. So, uh, But he also calls it a building year in terms of uh, how things are evolving in the world of Native entertainment. And we're going to talk more about that after this next break and, and think a little bit more about how our content continues to evolve and uh, is being built up. So anybody with a question or a comment or if there's a specific film, native theme film or television show that you really enjoyed watching this year, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 1-800-996-2848. You can also post on our social media, Facebook handle as well. So, And anybody interested in learning more about Spirit Rangers, we actually did a show on Spirit Rangers back on October 14th here on Native America Calling. So take a look on our archives on our website and you can check that out as well. I'm Sean Spruce, your host. We'll be right back. The Muslim religion provides a refuge for a growing number of Native Americans. Native observance to Islam is a mostly modern trend, but there are historical ties. And now a new project paints personal portraits of Native Muslims and tracks the joys and tests of their faith. We'll hear more on the next Native America Calling. Good day. Prevent the spread of flu and other respiratory illnesses by rolling up your sleeve to get a flu shot. Mask up, sleeve up. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information or visit www.medicare.gov backslash coverage backslash flu dash shot. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Oh, I could listen to that song all day. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with Native film critics about film and television releases from this year that had Native talent and themes. We'd also like to hear from you. What films from this year impressed you? What performances by Native actors caught your eye? Join our conversation by calling one 800 996-2848. And of course, uh, as Jason, our, our third guest on the show, mentioned before break, uh, big year for Oklahoma tribal-themed content. Uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma is uh, where the show Res Dogs is filmed, and uh, it's just been such a groundbreaking show. Uh, we're into season two now. And let's go ahead and listen to a clip from season two of Reservation Dogs. This is episode two, titled Run. 
two veteran native actors, Gary Farmer, who plays Uncle Brownie, and Wes Duty, who plays Bucky, are trying to lift a curse, plaguing a circle of friends. Then we hear from Spirit, played by Dallas Goldtooth. These elders have lived very complicated lives. Now we sing a song. What song should we sing? Um, an old song. Yeah. An old one. And then the water will just take it away. Yeah. She's a good girl. Loves her mama. Loves Jesus and America too. The good girl. I know the song better than these guys. It's a long day. Living in Reseda, there's a freeway. Round through the yard. I'm a bird boy. I don't even miss her. I'm a bad boy for breaking her heart. I am free. Free falling. Yes, I'm free. It's not even that old of a song. It's like 30 years. That's old. Is the curse gone? Oh, old warrior. Ah! What's he waving at? You tell them. You tell them the little bastards there that this most sacredest of ceremonies is complete. That in that red road, good way, cedar path, corn pollen way, that sun dance, stomp dance, smoke dance, longhouse, Episcopal way, that they, the little of the seventh generation, have vanquished those most powerful of curses. Can we go now? But the effects of it will linger on in their hearts until they deal with the guilt inside. You tell them that. Tell them to be good relatives. Take care of each other in that way. Oh, yeah. He's gone. But you kids gotta stop being sh Hell. Ah, uh, close enough. And a classic is born on Reservation Dogs. Uh, let's get our guest feedback on, on this episode, this whole series in general. Let's start off with Vince Schilling. Vince, uh, are you feeling that Tom Petty cover? Well, the, the the best part about it is that uh, Sterling knows what he's doing in terms of playing into the expectations of the regular viewing audience, you know, who may not be native, you know, by throwing it out there of like, oh, they're going to choose a native song. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, I, I've long thought that, that uh, Reservation Dogs is, is, you know, Sterling's veritable middle finger to the spiritual beliefs of what people think native people are. And all these characters just just take it that much further. And I think Alora Bell, Willie Jack, and Cheese are going to be names on on Native people's tongues for 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 decades, if not just just as long as, as smoke signals. And because you you got to admit, 
Dallas is channeling, you know, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he certainly so, is. Certainly is. It is it Johnny. Is just, how about? Um, it's nice. It's wonderful. It, it, yeah, and, and Johnny J, uh, what's your thought? I mean, Reservation Dogs is it really now? Is it the gold standard for just native themed television and, and modern content right now? Honestly, yes. Um, the thing that I've loved about Reservation Dogs is that it's so nuanced, and there's so many like serious issues that they're talking about, but they're able to. I guess you would say, like, bring our, um, like, how we deal with those issues as Native people. Like, you know, like, suicide is a huge issue within Indian country. And, you know, it's, there were a couple of problematic um, things in the first season with that representation that I had took issue with. But overall, like, how they were able to address that and bring in, you know, the crisis of mental health and suicide and how that impacts not just you know, our youth, but our entire communities in ways that we don't always recognize right away was absolutely brilliant. And how they've carried that over, you know, with season one, you know, dealing with the aftermath and then season two, dealing with the healing of that. And, you know, in just the community level of the humor, because, you know, that's how natives, like we cope with a lot of hard issues is with humor. You know, we laugh. Um, you know, I remember the first time that, um, my partner had gone to a funeral with my family, you know, he was kind of confused because we were sitting around laughing um, for a majority of the funeral. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's, you know, that's what we do. Like our funerals, you know, sometimes, yes, you know, the reason we're there, it's tragic. But, you know, once we're there as a community, like we're celebrating that person's life, we're celebrating, you know, our, our strength and, you know, the love that we have for these people, the, you know, the memories that we have. And I see that throughout Reservation Dogs, and it's absolutely brilliant because it doesn't show us as defeated people. And we get to shine, like our humor gets to shine, our brilliance, you know, our our hopes, the good stuff gets to shine. And it kind of shows, you know, that, you know, we're not just like these mystical, stereotypical tropes, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're either the good native or we're the villain. Like we get right. to exist as a whole fully realized human being in these characters, which is why I think they resonate with so many people outside of Indian country as well. You know, Cheese and Willie Jack are just iconic at this point. But also when you're looking at Bear and um, Laura, like there's such a vulnerability there that we often don't get to see as Native people. Like we don't get to be, you know, soft. And, you know, like they have these hard outer shells because of their experiences, but at the same time, like they're still very vulnerable, they're still very kind and mindful and, you know, want to do better for not just themselves, but like their community. So, you know, I absolutely think it is the gold standard right now. Okay. And Jason Asnap, I know this show uh, hits really close to your heart, uh, being Comanche and Muskogee, of course. And, uh, as Johnny mentions, like the show has such crossover appeal to to natives and non natives alike. And what do you think it is about the show that that draws in so many viewers? I think it's just a, a well written show. You know, the talent from top to bottom is you know from Sterling on down. He's picked the the he's picked inc he's picked incredible writers, incredible directors, um, and it, it shows. Like the writing has great nuance. Uh, the directing is 
is spot on. I know a lot of these people too. A lot of them are my friends. Um, no bias there, but <laughs> I, I know the talent <clears throat> of these folks and, and they definitely, they shine, you know, and, and I think the thing I think, you know, there's like this in the past, we've had to have this, like this kind of like Taylor Sheridan esque type character who would write these things to get it to the general public about indigenous culture. You know, someone who's fascinated with Indians and stuff. And then this is how the general public might, you know, get their first, you know, take on, you know, our, our, how we live or, you know, so to speak. But now we have actual, you know, this, this year in particular, well, last year, you know, was the first season, but this, I feel it's just really like we're, we're hitting the stride now, I believe that we have, we have like season two, you know, of Res Dogs and we, Dark Winds is going to come back and then they're going to, they're going to have another season of Reservation Dogs. It's just an incredible time for indigenous people uh, in TV and it's like true kind of true representation. Like um, that word gets thrown around a lot, representation, you know, and, you know, and all that stuff. But it, it, it is, you know, it is important in the sense of you get, when you're, when you have native writers, you know, writing these stories, you get the nuance and you don't get like, you're, you're not getting like these tired tropes or you get, at least if you're getting, if you'll, you'll get a, a, a intellectual play on these tropes, like not dumb tropes, but you could play around with these tropes that have existed before, we got to them, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's just, it's, it's a smart show and it's, right. it's, uh, and we're spoiled right now for having this. And I'm just like, <laughs> I love, I love that we have this moment. It's, 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 a, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It really is really is great takes from our three guests today. And another show that's getting a lot of hype right now, this is a new show on television. It's called Alaska daily. If you've had a chance to check it out, uh, let's listen to a scene with Eileen Fitzgerald, a character who is played by Hillary Swank and Rosalind Ross friendly, a native actress by the name of Grace Dove, their editor played by Jeff Perry, who reminds me a lot of our native America calling executive producer, Art Hughes. Well, he wants them to work together on a cold case involving a missing native woman. Well, I can't say I blame her, but that's you, not me. She'll be even more reluctant to talk when she finds out you don't know the place. Unless I send you with one of our other reporters. No way. It'll be helpful. I don't care. I work alone. Do you want to see me? Come in, Roz. Meet Eileen Fitzgerald. Hi. Hi. Rosalind Friendly. Roz, I want to put you on a story with Eileen. Stanley. I'm right in the middle of my story on the governor's task force. You can do both for now. Could have given me a heads up. Me too, for that matter. Fair enough. Apologies to you both. I still want it to happen, unless one of you wants to step aside. What's the story? Cold case in Mead, a dead woman named Gloria Nunmuck. Now they're missing murdered. Why? Why? Yeah, even if we figure out what happened, no one's going to do anything about it. Not the cops, not the courts, not the politicians. Then we report on that. You mean that? You'll take it all away? I do. Her death is obviously part of a pattern. We need to prove it, and we need to show who's to blame. Great. So why not just give the whole story to me? For starters, it's my story. Do you know anything about Alaska? That's why it's called investigative reporting. Is that why you're here, to teach us about reporting? She always liked this? Yes. Roz, you wanted the state house. You got state house. That's before I knew that doing this story right was an option. Fine, but Eileen is here now, and I want you both on it together. A really interesting aspect of this show, Alaska Daily, is that it portrays MMIW, 
uh, on a TV show. And the series is actually inspired by reporting uh, from the Anchorage Daily News and ProPublica. And the original reporter, Kyle Hopkins, and the paper CEO, Ryan Binkley, are both listed as executive producers on Alaska Daily. And I'd like to go to Johnny now. And Johnny, what's your take on this? Uh, seeing MMIW being focused on, on such a, a highly visible platform like a primetime television show. Um, you know, the murder and missing indigenous women is really kind of like a touchy subject for me because my I have an aunt who is among the murdered and missing indigenous women. And I used to do a lot of reporting on the murdered and missing indigenous women. And, you know, in the last couple of years, like I kind of had to step back from that because of the way that it kind of gets used. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's a lot, like it's good that it's getting visibility. It's good that people are talking about it. But at the same time, there's a point when it go, goes from awareness to exploitation. And so when, you know, like watching shows like Alaska, you know, like this, um, sometimes it's a little bit triggering. Like, yes, we want to see them talking about this issue, but at the same time, like, how are they talking about it? And what respect are they showing to the families whose loved ones who are going through that process of trying to get visibility, of trying to get people to talk about this, to trying to get justice? And, you know, sometimes, like, when it's just so in your face, like, you know, you don't have time to really deal with your grief. Like, you're expected to go straight away from losing your loved one to being an advocate to having to speak out for it. And, you know, there's so much pressure that gets put on the families of the murdered and missing Indigenous women that we never really give them time to just to reconcile right, with right. what it is they're going through. So Johnny, it's a little I'm touchy. Sorry. Yeah. And well, let me ask you a, a question um, regarding the show, because you mentioned this fine line between awareness and informative and, and exploitative. And uh, do you think the show Alaska Daily has crossed over that line from informative to exploitative with I regard think to MMIW? I think the line. Um, you know, Grace Dove is a phenomenal talent. And, you know, I know that she puts so much care into it because this issue is really important to her as well. But, you know, like, I think it really walks the line because of how white-centric it is. You know, it would be different if it was coming from more of a Native perspective, you know, to where we were more of the dominant characters in this film, and it was more of our perspectives, rather than having it put like, oh, we need a white reporters to report on this. We need white media to report on this. You know, when they're not really looking at getting down to the facts, you know, I know that's how that's oftentimes portrayed. Like, you know, we're doing hard journalism. We're going to find the truth. We're going to get justice. But a lot mm -hmm. of times when it boils down to it in the media, um, it's about profit. It's about getting clicks. It's about getting, you know, advertising shares and, you know, not okay. really any thought to the impact of it. So, okay. you know, I think they walk the line, but I think it's, you know, it's really well written show, um, you know, but for me on a personal level, like I have issues. <laughs> 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 yeah, I understand for sure. Well, let's ask Vince Schilling to chime in as well. And, and you know what? I, I, it kind of draws parallels to that movie Wind River that came out a few years ago. And Vince, we got about a minute or so before we got to take a break. But if you could offer some feedback in terms of this fine line that Johnny uh, draws between what we think of as awareness and exploitation. Sure. Uh, first of all, I respect Johnny so much. You know, Johnny Jay is just really wonderful as well as Jason. And, and you know, I – I agree, and I interviewed Grace about this, and I was like, "So, how do you feel, <laughs> white savior? <laughs> how do you feel about this show, Grace?" You know, 
know, and we were joking about it a little bit. I thought, are you going to use that term anywhere as an angry young native, you know, journalist? And she was like, I really want to. And uh, but then she told me of how gracious uh, Hillary Swank was, and and uh, how they really are working to to bring out this uh, message. And ABC actually did, you know, dedicate uh, abc.com slash mmiw to give facts about it. So I think Johnny Johnny Jay's um, assertion that it walks that line is very astute. I, I agree with her. Uh, but although I am glad it, it is getting attention. Um, I, I, I don't like that mentality, that storyline of, like, that New York uh, uh, journalist has to come in and rescue all the Alaska natives, you know, and podunk Alaska who wouldn't have known how to do these stories without her. So I, I did right. have a problem with that, but they're doing well right. with it. They're, they're actually doing much better than I thought they would. They are, and I like the way that the the Grace Dove character is so tough, and like she's not taking it, right? She's like, "Hey, you know, um, you're not going to come in here to my home turf and tell me how to do my job and and how to deal with my people." So, appreciate that perspective as well, folks. We're talking about big content this year: films like Prey, TV series like Dark Winds, Reservation Dogs. Uh, Rutherford Falls as well, which was unfortunately canceled. So uh, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one-of-a-kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes, healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with Native film critics about television and film from this year, and there is still time to join our conversation today. Our number is 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Please give us a call. Share your comments on the air. Let's hear now from film critic Elias Gold. He runs the YouTube channel Native Media Theory. He is Diné. Let's take a listen to his top three films from this year. I would say films, my top three, would have to be Prey, Flashback, and I would say the third one is A Long Line of Ladies. That's actually a short documentary. Those three, for me personally, are my top three this year, films-wise. TV shows is a whole other thing. All right. Well, let's go into your favorite TV shows then. What's your favorite or maybe uh, your top two favorites? Yeah, my top two would have to be uh, Reservation Dogs and then uh, Rutherford Falls and then Pop and Dark Winds. Was 2022 a good year for Native film and TV? Yes, I would say this year is the start of, I don't want to call it a renaissance. I would call it, you know, the beginnings of a new wave of Native, both Native-themed uh, content and native-led content. And so I think, you know, we've had huge breakthroughs with, like, Reservation Dogs. It's winning tons of awards with both for seasons one and two. And um, it's gotten really good reception. And then Prey uh, was the largest, I think, like, online premiere of any streaming service for an original film. And so 
and just in my opinion, it's just it's been the best year so far we've had in a very, very long time. What did you not like? Was there a film or a, a show that you didn't um, you didn't like this year or maybe you didn't appreciate the way Native people were portrayed? There there are a few things that they're kind of small things like Yellowstone. Uh, it's not that like the representation is bad. It's more so that like the Native uh, perspective sometimes is sometimes is an afterthought. But at the same time, the show isn't like you know, Native characters aren't the forefront. So that's kind of a given. Uh, I personally had a few issues with Dark Winds, but that's because I am Navajo. <laughs> so uh, we Navajos tend to be pretty critical of any representation that comes our way. So I would say that's just kind of a given. But like overall, I enjoyed the show objectively, but my Navajo biases certainly got the best of me with that one. Uh, the reviews for it are very good and everything. So Again, that, that that one is a little hard for me to separate just because it's so personal compared to the others. It's, it's For me, it's a little bit different than, like, you know, me appreciating Reservation Dogs, which kind of appeals to a more pan-Indian audience, if that makes sense. Are you looking forward to any films or shows coming out in 2023? I guess with certain Native-themed or Native-led content, uh, I I heard that there's a Jim Thorpe film in development, but I haven't heard too much about it. But there's a couple of things I have yet to like watch all the way through. There's a, apparently a, a TV comedy in Canada. Some, I forgot what it's called. It kind of has like a Letter Kenny vibe, and I'm completely blanking on the name of it. Oh, Acting Good is what it's called. I really want to check that show out. Apparently, it's doing really well in Canada. And so I want to check. There's a bunch of little tiny little shows and films that I have yet to like see. Another one is The Year of the Dog, stars one of the Spears brothers. And so stuff like that, little tiny indie films I really want to check out and stuff like that. Oh, one more I actually forgot about, Echo. That's the one I'm excited to see. That's a Disney Plus original series star starring Aliqua Cox. And it's going to be about the, the Marvel character Echo, who is in, canonically is native. But she was she was uh, in the recent Hawkeye series, and uh, she was kind of like a bit of an anti-hero in that show. So her dedicated TV show is going to explore her background and everything, which I'm excited to see. So I'm pretty excited to see where they go with that. Um, and I'm sure that Zahn McLaren is going to reappear in that one in some flashbacks or something. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that one. All right. So, um, you know, you mentioned indie films. Um, are there any lesser known films released this year uh, that you think people should know about and watch? Yeah, the one I mentioned I thought was really great. It's, it's called A Long Line of Ladies. It's a, it's, a, it's a documentary, and it is probably one of the better documentaries I have seen in a long time that, that I mean, to be frank, like a lot of documentaries – about natives kind of often uh, showcase, I guess you could say, the struggle, right? But this documentary was a quiet and reverent and beautiful documentary about um, a womanhood ceremony uh, for a young girl out in California. It also kind of showcases their how that tribe in California they're really trying to, you know, preserve their culture. But it is a great. A uh, little documentary that I suggest everyone watch. It's refreshing, in my opinion. That was Elias Gold speaking with our senior producer earlier this week. 
Andy Murphy. And uh, he mentioned a uh, long line of ladies and Shandine Tom, who is Danae, a filmmaker, and she's the director of Long Line of Ladies. She was actually on Native America Calling earlier this year, January 21st, 2022. So if you get a chance, check out our archives and take a listen to that show. Uh, Elias also mentioned the long-anticipated Jim Thorpe biopic. So uh, many, many folks in Native America are sure hoping that film finally comes to fruition. So I'd like to go back to uh, our guest on the show, Jason Asnap. And Jason, I know you're into the subversive stuff. You're not really so much into the sitcom scene and things like that. And I'd like to get your take more on some of these uh, indie films that came out this year, other small budget films, or any shorts that you particularly liked? Yeah. Um, So like, um, in addition to Prey, I was really taken with uh, the Shaman's Apprentice, which is a it's an animated short by Zacharias Knuck. Uh, I, I wrote about that earlier this year. I reviewed it. It was just a beautiful. Uh, he's what tribe is he? He is Inuk, um, and yeah, he's been around a, a while. He's 60, he was sixty three, I guess, when he when he made this film. And it's just it's a really uh, interesting, just stop motion, beautiful film about like a shaman. And her apprentice, you know, it's a, I, I don't know, I kind of usually don't use the word shaman, but this is the title of the movie. So, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's a beautiful stop motion film. It's gorgeous to watch. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where you can see it, but I'm sure if you Google it, you could find it. And it was, I don't, I think it was possibly the first animated film he's done. Um, okay. The Shaman's really Apprentice. Take, Shaman's Apprentice. Uh, okay. The animation is incredible. The, uh, the Headhunter's Daughter, I was, I, 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 that was a, a film that won the Sundance Short Film Award last year. Um, it, was a, I, it was a very moody, atmospheric film that kind of just it stayed with me after I watched it. It was um, – who is the – it's – the filmmaker is Don Josephus Raphael Ablahan, and I'm sure I mangled that. But <clears throat> a beautiful film, just a simple story about a – uh, a country, uh, uh, a young girl who plays country music and uh, is auditioning for a country music TV show, and it's just it's very atmospheric and moody. You just have to watch it; it stays with you. It stayed with me, and I watched uh, Daughter of a Lost Bird. Finally, uh, I'm I'm kind of resistant to documentaries for some reason. I don't know. It's because kind of like the it's yeah. It's usually what the the last. Uh, critic was talking about sometimes they, they, they the a lot of documentaries get you know they they tell truth you know it's, it's some a lot of you know of our history is dark and and uh and though it needs to be told it's you know there's only so much that i can hear or watch <laughs> but uh-huh. in this case in this case daughter of a lost bird i just want to say it was like it was well done uh brooks Wayne's the filmmaker she definitely got me back interested in documentaries or making me making me believe in documentaries again and it's about a, uh, a adopted uh, Lummi uh, woman, Kendra uh, Potter, who is uh, reconnecting to her tribe. Well, three recommendations there. Shaman's Apprentice, Headhunter's Daughter, and uh, documentary Daughter of a Lost Bird. Thanks, Jason. And Johnny, how about you? Did you watch a lot of uh, Native-themed uh, indie, indie movies or, or content this year? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of I think this is the thing that gets missed is there's a lot of native content that gets produced every year. There's so many short films, 
so many indie films that we never really get to hear about until like later on. Uh, one of the one of my favorites was a movie called Bootlegger, and you know it has Devery Jacobs, who is just such a phenomenal talent, you know. But it really was such a wonderful movie because it it's about um, two women who are basically kind of struggling with alcoholism in the community. You know, you have one lady, it's a dry reservation, so, you know, have one person who's bringing in alcohol in order to survive, to make a living, but then you have another woman who is, you know, trying to reduce alcoholism in the community. And so it kind of brings to head some really hard conversations, you know, that we are having and that we do see in our communities now in terms of, you know, can you responsibly have alcohol on a reservation or should we have dry reservations? So it was a really wonderful way to kind of show that conversation. And, you know, it's a, I, I mean, I kind of found out about it by chance. And so, you know, once I watched it, I was just like, why did this not get more traction? Um, and I think the other film is um, In Our Own Hands by Jennifer Varenchek, and, you know, it's, it deals with the murdered and missing Indigenous women, and it's such a, um, and it's, it's more about how, you know, we have been kind of forced to take things into our own hands when it comes to our murdered and missing Indigenous women and in finding justice, you know, like we can report people missing and nothing gets done. And so it kind of turned that on its head, like, okay, well, now you have Native women who are going to step up and do something about this. Um, and find their loved one on their own. Um, but it's a wonderful film, and, um, you know, I think the the other film, um, and it's a short film, and I'm a horror freak, so, you know, Mike J. Marin, who did The Smudging, and there was a film called Demon that he did, but he put together um, a little short called Mayhem in the Monsterverse, and it's such a cool mashup of these horror icons that we know, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, but he creates, like, he kind of creates his own multiverse, and he's taken snapshots with action figures that he has, and this is something that he did, you know, to kind of keep himself th busy throughout the pandemic, and what I love about it was it kind of um, showcases, you know, how our love of, you know, contemporary pop culture kind of, like, stimulates our indigenous <laughs> imagination in ways that, mm -hmm are very surprising. But Monster, Mayhem in the Monsterverse was another little short that, you know, I thought was phenomenal. But, um, you know, also um, there's a movie called Burroughs, which is about a young girl who discovers a migrant who got separated from her dad while crossing the border. And, you know, it kind of deals with, you know, the, the reality of these colonial borders and the violence that we face and how they impact our different communities. Um, and it takes them, um, oh, I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Tono Ultram Nation, um, and that's where this movie is set. And, you know, if you're not familiar with their history, you know, their communities have been separated by the border to Mexico. They exist on both sides. And so it kind of really brings to head, you know, those conversations and thinking about those borders. But it's a wonderful film. And, man, you know, I would love to see that film getting more traction and more, you know, just engagement because it's so incredible and it's all first-time talent and it's people from within those communities who are starring in this film. 
What really comes across from from you, Johnny, as well as our other two guests, Vincent and Jason, is just not only is there so much content out there, Native theme, but such a, a wide variety with some of these indie films, some of these shorts, and, and so many different tribal communities, uh, producers and directors and actors. It's just uh, it's just so, so comprehensive. And let's go back to Vince, uh, Vince Schilling. And we're gonna, we got a couple minutes before we have to wrap up the show. And Vince, I want to ask you, here it is uh, already mid-December. The year's almost over. Next year's coming up. What are you looking forward to watching? Oh, well, definitely Echo. You know, definitely Echo. I'm, I, I'm a huge Marvel geek, e- even if uh, I'm mad about the Werewolf by Night thing. <laughs> and, you know, I do want to say Jason had some good films, though. I haven't seen the one Johnny J was talking about, but I, I agree with um, what Jason was saying. But I did want to say one last thing um, to, to I feel needs a mention of anything uh, this year is the critically acclaimed indigenous filmmaker Jeff Barnaby, who died at age 46. Uh, who was an incredible filmmaker, and he did Blood Quantum uh, with Deborah Jacobs, uh, you know, uh, Michael Gray Eyes, and you know, all all these amazing actors about the zombie apocalypse, and it was just the ma- most amazing film. And I got to talk to him about his film, and I was waiting to see what was next, and he passed away, and I was just devastated by that. So, you know, I wanted to give him a shout for what he did create while he was here, and and. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a world that uh, includes more and more Native stories because we as Indigenous people are the storytellers. So the fact that we're not having more stories is, is, is bonkers. You know, I, I, too, like Johnny J, when I saw Beer Rangers for the first time, it was just, just, wow, I never got to see this as a kid. You know, I got to see Bugs Bunny calling me a half-breed. You know, that's, that's what I got as a kid, you know. So, you know Back when you, you were know, still wearing your Hulk support, pajamas, you know, right? Yeah, in my home pajamas. I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> You're right, I did. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I'm looking well, forward folks, to a um, good year. There we go. Well, uh, I don't want to thank all of our guests today, Vincent Schilling, Johnny J, Jason Asnap, and Elias Gold for this insightful, really upbeat conversation on this year's native theme films, television, and streaming content. Hope you can join us again next week for another lineup of conversations about indigenous issues and topics. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Thanks also to Roman Garcia. Show McPollin is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our Chief Operations Officer. The President and CEO of Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. Have a safe weekend. I'm Sean Spruce. You see the car ads. Low price, low payments. Sounds good, but when you get to the dealer, there could be a catch. The dealer may try to add things like extra products or services at extra cost. And to get that low monthly payment, you might have to make a big down payment. The bottom line is this. If you can't get the advertised deal or one you feel good about, walk away. If a dealer isn't honest when it comes to its car ads, tell the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency, at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. 
Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreements CPIMP 211227 and CPIMP 211228. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.